Hi, I'm Jenna Lee, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Greg, a doctor of educational psychology. We're husband and wife, parents of four, trying to make evidence-based parenting practices accessible to all. Thanks for joining us as we learn to navigate the happy human life. Welcome to episode number five, or as we're lovingly calling them, date number five. I can't believe that we've had five dates. I think we're official. This is like a couple. (laughs) Will you wear my class ring? Please. (laughs) If I had one. Um, Today, I'm really excited about this topic. It's all about creating a positive home environment and who doesn't need more positivity in their lives? Uh, Give me some more positivity. We all do. Let's soak in this experience together. We're going to talk all about how we can cultivate a supportive and nurturing space for all family members. And the dog. I was going to say the same oh, thing. Oh, I stole your job. <laughs> Dogs and cats included. Yeah. No hamsters, though. <laughs> Just kidding. We love hamsters. Um, anyways, this episode's going to follow a the very same structure as our other episodes. We're going to give you three actionable tips. Mm-hmm. By the end of this episode, we hope that you'll be better able to understand what it means to create a positive home environment. We'll discuss how we can cultivate a supportive and nurturing space for all family members using our three actionable tips that you can start implementing today. Right now, while you're listening to it, you can start (laughs) implementing these tips. Uh, So we're going to share out some stats from social as we usually do when we start these episodes. We asked... Has your family adopted a gratitude practice to which 70% of you said no? And if uh, we were taking the survey just, let's say, months ago, we would also have said no too. It's clear that a lot of us out there are not bringing gratitude as a practice into our homes, uh, which is going to be something we're going to dig into later today. We also asked, are all family members, kids included, responsible for the well-being of each other as well as for the upkeep of the home environment. And 83% of you agreed that all family members are responsible. Yeah. And it's, uh, I guess the the question is though, are they actually, are the kids actually doing the work that they need to be doing to kind of carry that weight of being responsible for each other's well-being and upkeep of the home. Um, And so hopefully when going through the tips of the day today, we can all leave here and have some ideas and what we can do to build that home, that positive home that we all so desperately want. Yeah. And I think something also to consider when people were answering this question to say whether or not they agreed or disagreed, I think people's definition of responsibility was probably different, right? I didn't define you know, what does it mean to be responsible for someone else's well-being? It doesn't mean our kids are responsible for our feelings. Right. And I think that's where some people might have gotten for sure a bit confused and tripped up. Um, also, in terms of like the upkeep of the home, it doesn't mean, you know... They're reshingling the roof. Your kids aren't <laughs> like doing... They're not doing the heavy lifting necessarily. It's really, you know, it's about what's developmentally appropriate. It's not that everyone is carrying equal weight, but do we all have some sort of responsibility? And my feeling is yes, we do. And so what's a little frustrating and going off on a bit of a tangent here, uh, I've spent, let's say 
the first decade being a dad with this mindset, I'm, I'm going to do everything for them. They don't have to lift a finger. Well, I think sometimes it also feels easier. Like I'm just going to get it done yeah, faster, right. but then we're not investing in their ability to really be more independent and contribute. Absolutely. And so, you know, just the thing that popped in my head now is, you know, our two-year-old was trying to help me with taking out the trash the other day. And like I let him and I obviously took five times as long. Uh, but you know, the version of me that started doing that with our kids a decade ago, oh my God, imagine how much more of a helper they would be these days if I just took the time to include them in the simple upkeep of the home and creating that kind of environment of helpers. Right. It makes you wonder when does that desire to be a helper sort of go away because yeah. you know you're the two-year-old wants to be independent yeah. the two-year-old wants to do everything with you he wants to wash the dishes he wants to load the washer and the dryer he wants to be involved in everything mom and dad are doing and yes you know our older children have more things going on right. now so you know those things sort of their motivation goes towards those more what they feel are more exciting things to do you know, but if we had focused more on, you know, creating these helpers early on, what could it look like? Yeah. And now? so you, you do wonder if there's this kind of sensitive period around tapping into their desire to help and whether or not the, you know, the further out you move, it just makes it much harder to kind of get them on board. Mm -hmm. um, but so we are going to move into a question from one of our happy human community members. Eric said, I'm not sure how to handle lying from my 10-year-old daughter. She's been trying to play parent versus parent, like if one parent says no, she'll go ask the other parent. And she only does this with me, though. I don't know why, and I don't know how to handle it. I've tried calling her out and having her, you know, making her own up to the lies, but she just refuses to listen to me when I ask her to do things. Yeah, so I love that we're getting a question from somebody who has an older child, because I think on these episodes yeah. and, you know, even in the happy human life community, we focused a lot on younger mm -hmm. children because those are the parents who are reaching out to us with their questions. So if you have older children and you want your questions addressed either, you know, through our communities or on this podcast, please submit those questions to us because we love talking about this stuff. So first of all, I think we really need to validate Eric, yeah. right? He's facing a really difficult situation and, you know, it's completely normal to feel frustrated and unsure of how to handle it. Yeah. I think something that Greg and I have, you know, really discovered in our parenting journey is that there's going to be these ups and downs. Mm. And we always say that seeking help and advice is a sign of strength and love for your child. Yeah. And so I want everyone listening right now to recognize if you're here, mm -hmm. you are strong, right? Uh, this is just another uh, day at the <laughs> gym getting swole. You are working out. Flexing that parenting yeah, muscle. Yeah, and the more you flex it, the more reps you do, the bigger it's going to grow. So keep at it. It's a journey. Like you said, it's a freaking roller coaster. Each and every single day with such incredible highs and such incredible lows, and I don't, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I'm not going to say it should always be high. You know, life has this wide emotional spectrum. Let's experience the highs. Let's experience the lows. But yeah, we want to be able to gravitate more towards the positivity. And I, that's the kind of big goal of today's episode. 
But yeah, it is not uncommon for kids to test boundaries and lie, right? We've been seeing it for almost 12 years now. Uh, You're not alone, Eric. And so let's go ahead and get to it. How can we approach these difficult situations with empathy? So that's, it's really funny because this is actually, you know, different age developmentally, but it's reminding me of something that happened recently with our two-year-old. Yeah. We were visiting my dad and he's, my dad was in the process of moving. And so we had all kinds of things out and accessible, which aren't typically there, but he got an entire bottle oh. <laughs> of apple scented oil and he spilled it all over the floor and we go downstairs and we, you know, we see this all unfolding and he immediately throws his sister under the bus. <laughs> like she did it. Yeah. And so it's like, we need to expect them to want to avoid blame, right? They're going to deny, they're going to lie. They're going to try to throw the attention onto other people. We've all done it. We all get it. But yeah, it really doesn't. Make I mean, it how it. many defensive adults do you know? Every single one of them, <laughs> including me and you. Yeah. Like this is just, it's in our nature to want to deflect. Maybe in decades we'll achieve some sort of higher level of functioning where we can just soak in all the responsibility coming our way. But yeah, it, this is something that is tough and it sure doesn't make it easy to experience when our kids are doing it. Yeah. So we're not going to be specifically talking about lying today. But we're going to be talking about these tips to proactively build a safe and supportive home environment where our children can come to us with concerns, with their feelings, even if those things might be difficult to discuss. We want them to feel safe with us. Right. We want to give them room to be open, honest, vulnerable, and have whatever it is that they're feeling or whatever it is that they're thinking or whatever it is that they've done just be accepted with warmth and positivity and understanding. Right. I mean, you spilled a bottle of oil on the floor. Not ideal. Right, that sucks. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're going to figure this out together yeah. because we all make mistakes. That's it. So this brings us to our first actionable tip of the episode. Right. So we want to develop mutual respect through modeling. So Greg, do you want to lead us off with a story? Yes. And so... My story here has to do with how I have failed. Um, I know it sucks, but it's, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to keep it real. Um, I, again, this is all about modeling respect in order to receive respect, right? We have to teach our kids to be respectful by first being respectful to them. Right. We're not expecting respect simply because... We're this authority figure. Yeah, I hate the idea. And I know a lot of parents on social media have been very clear. No, you're the parent. You're almost infallible. They are beneath you. And I've gotten into way too many back and forths about, no, you got it all backwards. Um, But, you know, the story here is about me and how I used to communicate with our kids uh, when they were little. And, you know, pieces of me still come out to this day. Again, it's in my brain. But let's just say I haven't always been so respectful to them. I haven't been in that state of mind to speak to them the way I would like to be speak, uh, spoken to. And, you know, the way I've come to understand this, yeah, I grew up uh, in the 80s, 80s and 90s, um, watching the movies and TV shows where the cool guy, you know, the person that you know, these kids you're trying to emulate was this like 
likable jerk, right? Mm. The, a person who was, you know, funny and conversational, but they were kind of an ass to all their friends, uh, throwing in jabs and just was generally mean and unkind and kind of a bully, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I just have to say I have a hard time, not all, but watching some of the movies from the 80s yeah. and 90s from when we were kids. Like I always think it's going to be a good idea. Yeah, right. yeah. And then I'm just like cringing. Oh, what the hell did they and just do? Like, I don't remember that. My kids are like, mom, why are you talking the entire time? Because I'm feeling like I need to explain the behavior yeah. of these children like, that's not kind, and, yeah. you know, what could he do instead? And that's just not how I want to watch a no, movie. Yeah, but it's, uh, it is. The bullying in yeah, these really movies bad. and shows is awful. Mm. And so it really sucks knowing that so much of my personality in my early life was shaped by those shows and movies, right? I was trying to model what I thought being cool was. And so, again, it's still in me. It comes out with the kids. Um and, you know, I in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I'm being playful and fun. This is what the cool guys do, but I'm really just being an ass. I'm being mean. I'm being disrespectful, right? Right. But, I mean, you need, I think you need to give yourself some credit. Like, you've grown, oh, yeah. right? You're trying to do things differently. So, yeah. how's and, that And going? so, again, I... Yes. I've come to terms with... I have made such incredible progress. Um, or I do wake up with a mantra... Um, I like to call myself a kind helper. Mm -hmm. I am a kind helper. And saying that each morning helps me show up as that person uh, and helps me model the kind of respect that I'd like to receive. So and it's just awful, though, because I do see our oldest. You know, she is 11. And much of the time when she tries to play with me or her she siblings. She likes to poke the bear. She pokes the bear. But this <laughs> is how I how I spent, what, the first five, six, seven, eight years with her kind of doing the same thing. I'm going to take jabs at you. You go ahead and take jabs at me. It's just kind of the culture that I brought into our home that I wish I could go back and redo a bit. Mm -hmm. So I think we just all need to ask ourselves, do we treat our kids with the same respect that we expect from them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, some adults, and, you know, this might be hard to hear, see themselves as being above kids. They do. And they treat them as less than. And, you know, I don't think it's always intentional, but, you know, it's the way we were raised. And we just want to emphasize, and I think some of this might be, you know, common knowledge to a lot of you, is that children and their well-being is equal to ours. Yeah, and it's like it's hard because let's be real, we have literally been <laughs> on the planet longer. We are like physically taller and bigger. We so take we, up more space. So we are like yeah, and we're like looking down on mm -hmm. them literally uh, as a perspective thing. The psychology of it can't be denied, but yeah, our tiny humans are just as human as we are. Yeah, and I think this is something that we're constantly working on in our society and, you know, maybe some people are choosing not yeah. to work on it's, it. It's and easier to not work <laughs> on it. They think we're crazy. Yeah, I get it though. How easy <laughs> and more, you know, how much. More right. How, how much easier to be like, well, you should do that because I said so. Exactly. It's, I don't, I don't need to take the time to think about an explanation. Yeah. And at the core of many people's behavior is they do feel small. And how big it must make you feel to bring someone else down. It's all relative. So again, I get it and it's something that we're working on. 
we just have to keep in mind, we all learn so much through observation. We learn so much through modeling, right? Our kids are learning by watching us. They are learning by example. I mean, tr like if we treat them and others in the way that we want to be treated, then we will be treated that way, right? Yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> this sounds like, I don't know, like a golden rule. You know what? The gold... <laughs> The golden rule. That sounds good. I'm going to, I'm going to call it that. You heard it here on the happy human life podcast. The golden rule, treat others the, the way, way you, you want to be, be treated. treated. Man, we should put that on t-shirts or something. I mean, it seems pretty obvious and common sense, but I feel like this message can get lost in the chaotic day to day, like hustle, right? For sure. So we all want to be treated with kindness. We all want to be treated with respect. We want people to be considerate for our feelings and all the different things that we think. Let's model it. Yeah. But I think it's also important to note that like we're not talking about people pleasing here, right? That's something that a lot of us are trying to undo. We also need to demonstrate respect for ourselves. Yeah. It's about asking ourselves, was what I just said kind or was I maybe a bit demanding? Would I like someone to talk to me like that? Yeah. And it's also, it's more than the words we, we use, but right. how we use those right. words. We talk a lot in our home about tone. tone. You mm -hmm. can say the same set of words in very different ways. Uh, so respect is, is more than just the words you're using, but how you're using them. Right. So when we talk about mutual respect and especially when it comes to conflict, right? You all have been talking about really appreciating the scripts that we've been giving you. So say you have some sort of conflict with your child, but you want to be. That's me. Sorry, my phone went off. My bad, Jenny. <laughs> I'm like looking around. Yeah, <laughs> phone vibrating on the table. Um, so some sort of conflict arises, but you want to maintain that mutual respect. What could you say in that moment? So you might say something like, I understand we have different opinions, Let's talk through our feelings and find a solution that works for both of us. Yeah, I mean, when they're witnessing that kind of respectful behavior, right, they're just more likely to internalize it and then imitate it, especially when it's coming from us, right? They might see characters on a TV show. Like, I know our kids watch a lot of Bluey, or they used to watch a lot of Daniel Tiger, or I grew up with Mr. Rogers, right? These are... Loved Mr. Rogers. Oh, used to sit in front of the television, crisscross, as close as I could, yeah. just taking it all in. I try to push the old episodes <laughs> on them, and it catches for a little bit, but I think they quickly realize it doesn't have the pop that some of the other shows yeah. of today have. Yeah. But, you know, these models on TV are what we call symbolic models. They're on TV. They're in a show. And, you know, to give credit to our kids, they recognize that this isn't in their actual environment, in their real world. They are not as likely to model the behavior of these symbolic models. They right. are way more likely to model the behavior of us, the people that are there with them every day in their real life, right? Right. These symbolic models aren't mom and dad. No. The research is clear. They watch and learn the most from the things that we say and do. Absolutely. So, I mean, just shifting gears a little bit, another topic that comes up a lot in our community is, 
you know, how can I best help my child express frustration with a task in a way that doesn't like derail the whole family, right? Like how can I be more proactive? It's really about putting in the work. It's something that we talk a lot about in this show, right? It's something like, I can see you're feeling frustrated. That's completely normal. Let's work through it together. Would you like some help? Yeah, we're showing respect and kindness by acknowledging and validating their feelings, showing them that what they're feeling is normal, no matter what they're feeling, and that we understand because we've been there and we're offering emotional support, really. Or physical support. I mean, I think sometimes we leave out the support part, and that's oftentimes so needed. A crucial step. Yeah, it's one thing to be a listener. It's the next step to be a helper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we have to remember that we're not meant to go it alone, and our kids certainly aren't either. So showing respect is about offering a hand guiding them through these challenging, emotionally charged situations and feelings, something that might be new to a lot of us. Like maybe we were left to sort of figure it out on our own, but we want something different for us in the future, for our children. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we have to, you know, recognize how it's really, really hard to constantly be there given the endless amounts of support that's needed from our kids. So this is going to bring us into our actionable tip number two, build a family community by establishing values. This is something near and dear to my heart. Jenny, uh, do you have a story for us? I'm so ready for this story. (laughs) So we are strong advocates for Montessori education and, um, you know, at least in the early years. And to be clear, a lot of people think that we homeschool. We don't. Mm-hmm. We, no. <laughs> no, we don't. Our three oldest are all in public school, but they had some version of Montessori schooling during their preschool years. And I really, I love thinking back to the times when I was able to observe in their classrooms, yeah. right? There's this sense of community. It's extremely calm. There's respect for each other and the objects and tools in the environment. There's pride in the fact that it's truly the children's community. And they're very much a part of maintaining it. So this is all about, you know, caring for each other, caring for your environment and what's inside of it. And the teachers are really there more as guides. The children learn through observation. They imit- imitate their peers or older children. So there's you know a range of ages in these early childhood classrooms. Yep. So you might have you know someone as young as two point nine up to age six. Yeah. Um, so lots of peer models. They learn about respect and responsibility for each other and the materials that they work with. I. Love this. They have community meetings yeah. <laughs> where the children have a voice in decision making. And, you know, I could go on and on and on. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of other types of Schools. lots of other, you know, preschools yeah. are like this. This is just one that I happen to be able to observe pretty regularly. And it was just such a positive experience for our children. And I think it really 
illustrates this idea of building community yeah. by establishing values. And I just had to say this. The moment anyone st- starts talking Montessori, I have to make the little caveat. Uh, the Montessori philosophy is such a fantastic philosophy of teaching and learning. It's literally what I share to my students in the teacher ed program. Like This, this is what we need to be doing as teachers. Um, but to be very clear, uh, the Montessori specifically, uh, at least the programs around here, have tuitions that are just not accessible, not to accessible. Everyone. And so to be clear, we're not pushing this specific program or type of schooling, but recognizing and shining a spotlight on the philosophy and like the found right. So the, like the foundation that it's built upon. And certainly when you're looking at other, when you're looking at preschool programs or, you know, yeah. schooling for your own children, these are questions you can ask, you know, yeah. Do you have community meetings where children are able to make decisions? You know, what does the day-to-day look like? Because I know a lot of schools out there, you know, maybe they don't have that Montessori title, but they're doing similar yeah, and even maybe even better work, Uh, right? Yep. So to move things along here, uh, you should share that story you told me about community when we were walking the other day. Yeah, so... I feel like, and I think a lot of you will agree with me, that home is really our first community. It's our responsibility to take care of not only the things in it, but the people in it. And I think this applies to people of all ages, right? There's this core value that we're trying our darndest to... Darndest? Who are you? (laughs) You You Go ahead. You could say something... Racier. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it PG. I know. Okay. It's okay. I'm. We're really. You know. Try. I don't think I've ever heard you say that word. Darndest. Before. That's good. Is though. it even a word? Yeah. Maybe not. <sighs> um. You know. We're trying to instill these values in our children, but it's hard, yeah. right? Our kids, at least ours, they have their own thoughts. <laughs> they have their own wants. They have their own desires. They have their own timelines, and they are not afraid to communicate them. Yeah. I mean, this is their safe space for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, we did have our family values that we co-created with the kids and we whittled it down to four to try to keep it as manageable as we could, though we've talked about whittling it down just to one because how challenging (laughs) it is sometimes to get the four. Uh, But they are be kind at the top of the list. And that's the one we reference the most. Help, be a helper, right? Listen, and that doesn't mean like, listen to what I say, follow my instructions. But again, this has to do with active listening and empathy. Mm-hmm. We're going to hear each other speak and then sharing uh, in our community here. You know, obviously we do have our own personal things, but there are many shared things and we struggle often with letting other people engage with those shared things. Yeah. And I think something that we talked about was that maybe, you know, why is it hard for our kids to sort of go along with these values sometimes. And I think that, you know, maybe they're not specific enough. Right. You know, maybe it's not manageable and actionable for our young kids with their developing brains. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because something like be kind is super general and super broad. For us, it makes sense. We can contextualize what it means to be kind and to be helpers. Mm -hmm. Um, But for them, right, yeah, how challenging must it be to have this idea okay kid be kind and they're like what the hell are you talking about i I, (laughs) like give me something like you said concrete more concrete concrete. more specific Mm -hmm. contextualized something actionable right so like we're expecting them to have the skills to achieve these general values right be kind help listen share 
without realizing that maybe the reason they're struggling is because they don't have some of these skills yet. And we, as their, you know, their parents, their guides, their teachers, we have to help them to build these skills by working through more specific actionable activities, if that yeah, if that makes sense. It does. And I think one way we try to have these teachable moments is by holding our family meetings that, you know, I think you and I would both agree we don't hold enough of them. No. Um, they're, they tend to be pretty random, right? We don't have a schedule. Uh, we hold them as needed. You know, when the, when the fire starts raging, family meeting. Um, they're not always proactive. No. Let's just say that. And, and so, you know, I think the idea of making them more proactive, like having scheduled regular family meetings uh, is something that you should do and we should start doing ourselves because yeah I mean when we do have these meetings they just become a space for open communication and and allows every single one of us the opportunity to listen to and understand each other and then have a voice in shaping how we move forward do you think we should share our family meeting call with everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty embarrassing and super weird and different, but I mean, yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, should we do like a countdown? I think you should just jump into it because this is awkward. Okay. <laughs> so ahead. it goes a little something like so, this. So imagine this. The kids are raging, being <laughs> like just really cruel to each other. The fire is burning in the house. We need to call a family meeting. So this is so, not proactive. So this is not proactive. <laughs> Jenna Lee goes. Mama Mia. And then the rest of the family responds, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean. I mean, so you can certainly use our fun approach to calling a meeting. And seriously, they all do it. It, it could be really the house could be on fire. Yeah. And if I said that, they would all respond, including our two year old. Yeah. And so, you know, the reason we actually use this approach is when we had the idea long ago to have a kind of family meeting call, um, we asked them to come up with ideas. And that was one of the ideas that got put on the table. We did a quick kind of family vote around it and everyone agreed that should be it. And which is, this is why we did it. And so I think the reason why they, we have such a high kind of likelihood of them responding to it is because we co-created the call with them. Mm -hmm. And so in the last episode, we talked about how co-creating solutions with your kids kind of leads to buy-in. They're going to be more likely to hop on the train if they helped build the train. Um, so Absolutely. yeah, Mamma Mia works incredibly well. Um, and so it doesn't have to be something as different as that. But I do think having it be so damn different is a great way to kind of capture attention and kind of get them to pause whatever mess they're in the middle of. Mm -hmm. But it could be something as simple as saying, hey, everyone, I'd like to call a family meeting. Can we all get together in the living room in five minutes? We have something important to discuss. I'll set a timer. And so, you know, something like that obviously isn't during the middle of a raging fire, but a good way to kind of just have one of those maybe first proactive family meetings to kind of get the ball rolling. Yeah, and I think something that's, you know, really important here is that you're showing respect during the meeting, right? Yeah. So this goes back to tip number one. So saying something like, thank you all for being here. This is a space for us to talk openly and make decisions together. Mm. So that's just a little script you can use. But, you know, we want this to not be some sort of punitive yeah. activity. And I think that's why the fun call, even though it might be in like a time of 
Distress. High <laughs> dysregulation, <laughs> high energy. It's not seen as a negative because we're approaching it from a place of play and fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and every time we call a family meeting, like I said, they always come. Yeah, it's been. And ab- it's kind of shocking. It's been fantastic. So. And so like during these meetings, you can work on so many things, right? You can, one, foster this sense of kind of belonging, right? This idea of community, right? We are all coming together in for a meeting for our collective well-being in this family community that you're a part of. Um, it really kind of lends into this positive and supportive family environment that we're all trying to build. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the core of it, it's giving everyone that safe space for open communication, collaborative problem solving, and from those things, you get growth. Yeah, and it's also, at least for us, it's been a great place for conflict yeah. resolution, right? The kids learn how to navigate conflicts. We're right there being their guides. It's a constructive place. It's respectful. Mm-hmm. So they're able to express their emotions they are learning how to listen to others and they're learning how to work together. Yeah. And we're all there in yeah. a space. That's right. And so to be clear, you know, there's six of us in our family. We might have one of us in particular who maybe doesn't feel like participating and they will still physically be there. Mm-hmm. They might have, I know I've seen one of ours with their, FOMO. Is uh, there like a fear of missing out on maybe, the family yeah, drama? Yeah, you got to be present for it. <laughs> Like I've seen one of our kids in particular kind of go into shutdown mode during this face buried in a pillow, at least at the start, um, you know, sitting on the couch where they're, he- they're hearing everything, but they're not really participating. But I think it's all also acknowledging that that's okay. That's if their okay. face is buried in a pillow, if your child's upside down, yeah. it's not, we don't need to call them out on that. Right, no. They're physically there. That's it. That can be enough. Yeah. And so what we have found is, you know, these meetings aren't just 30 seconds that we're here for many minutes, um, they tend to come around by the end. I can't recall like wrapping up a family meeting with someone still kind of in that shutdown mode. It's almost as if they just need a couple minutes to really get regulated and enter the space in a way that is kind of more ideal. But Well, and allowing people to show up as their authentic selves, whatever that might look like. Right, absolutely. And so, you know, Right now, looking at you, I'm realizing we need to kind of set like a, like a, at minimum, a weekly family meeting. You pick a block when there's no activities going on. You know, everyone's in around and it's not like at dinner. And I feel like it needs to be separate from that. Um, but yeah, after this uh, episode, once we're done recording, we're going to pick a slot because this well, is Well, I think this is an opportunity to show respect to our kids too, right? Yeah. Like, can we sit down with them? And have a family vote of when they think would be a good time to have this sort of meeting. Ah, so it's nice. not, you know, it's not the parents deciding we have to do this. It. It's, you know, we think this would be a good idea for our family. What do you think about it? When do you think would be a good time to do these sort of meetings? Absolutely. Love it. All right. So that brings us to our third actionable tip of this episode. It is nurture positive connection by practicing gratitude. Jenny, can you tell us about your cookie chats? I think I'm up again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think our dog is crying at the door. Yeah. So oh. we might need to take a little All right. break. All right. Okay. <laughs> Quick break. Great. All right. So we're back. I'm back. <laughs> In everyone, case you're wondering, everyone's taken care of. <laughs> everyone just time traveled a little bit. Right? <laughs> our cute little 
elderly Boston Terrier yeah. has needs. Old and man's 12. Yeah. <laughs> um, so back to our story. Cookie chats. Cookie chats. So I'm so excited to share this with you. It's all about cookies. And who doesn't love cookies? Vegeta- <laughs> Cricket, crickets. <laughs> I was going to say vegetarians, but that doesn't make no, sense. No. Um, I think like if I could decide between cookies and a birthday cake mm. or like literally any other dessert, I would choose cookies. So a stack of cookies for your next birthday coming up. Homemade cookies or like yeah. cookies from a bakery. I don't want like store-bought. Well, all right. Yeah, I can make cookies. I can make this work. It's just more work, but I can do it. I'll do it for you. Um, So I don't know where I saw this, but it was some, you know, random person's social media feed. And they talked about having cookie chats with their kids. So basically, I make cookies every Friday. And after dinner, we sit around the table and we eat cookies and we talk about anything our kids want to talk about and you know sometimes we'll ask questions we go around the table we share other times the kids are asking questions and it's really as simple as asking something like what's one thing that brought you joy yeah this week and even our two-year-old now (laughs) understands he gets it what that means he gets the practice and so this is has me thinking of the gratitude circles that we've been trying to do at Mm -hmm. bedtime, right? We go around and everyone takes a turn sharing what they're grateful for and something I've been trying to push uh, both myself and them to do when we have this kind of gratitude practice is to say why you're grateful for that thing as well, which is, again, kind of like a pro tip bonus if you could uh, achieve that. Going a little bit deeper with it, right? Yeah, and I think that really any family can adopt a gratitude practice you might be thinking like my children are too young or you know like the ship has already sailed on this my kids are too old they're not going to do it with me but really it can look different based on what works best for your family based on your kids ages maybe you have a bedside journal maybe your child likes to color pictures maybe you're you know a talkative family and you simply just want to like talk it out talk about things that you're grateful for it really doesn't need to be complicated, yeah. but you can also be as creative yeah. as you would like. Right. Make it's, it fun. And so again, it just might be setting aside a specific time each day, uh, dinner, bedtime, just for some sort of reflection, some sort of gratitude practice, right? Anytime we can point our brains in the direction of gratitude, we're going to grow more in that mm-hmm. direction. And we will become more likely to kind of have this positivity be our default response. Who doesn't need more positivity? Like oh, I said man. in the beginning, come on. Oh. <laughs> so just to sort of lead you through this, to initiate, you might say something like, again, this is about being respectful. I wanted to talk about something that I think might bring us closer as a family. It's called a gratitude circle or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you're going to name it. This is a time where we share something we're thankful for. It can be big or small. So right now you're giving your child examples. There's no right or wrong share here. We're appreciating everyone's response. Um, You might go on to say, it's a way for us to appreciate the positive things in our lives. 
What do you think about that? Yeah. And so there's that respect again, right? Treating them like you would a friend. I love it. It's important to remember to when they're sharing, to listen actively and respond with genuine interest and an appreciation for their share. Right. So just to go over that again, genuine interest and appreciation. Make it till you make it. <laughs> no, you want to be genuine. <laughs> is that is genuine the opposite of faking? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're, <laughs> right? We're talking about being authentic here, people. So this just reminds me of, I don't, I don't know if everyone knows about my sort of history, but I worked for quite a while in the public school system as an occupational therapist. So I was in classrooms every day. And this just reminds me of questions I would hear teachers sh- saying after a student would share something with the class. They would say question or comment. Yeah. And it's so, I mean seeing kindergartners, first graders, some kids try to go totally off topic, right? Like they're not even in the same field as what this kid's talking about. Mm -hmm. But the teacher so nicely sort of brings it right back. And this is such an important life lesson is that we need to be able to listen to one another. It's something that we really need to teach our kids and this can start at home. It doesn't just have to happen in the classroom. Right. And I think just like you're talking about the classroom being a challenge to get kind of everyone on the same page. Mm. Um, reflecting back to the first, oh, I don't gosh. know, two or three cookie chats that just yeah. went horrible. And I know, I don't know if it was the first or second one that ended with you in tears because of how awful it was and how it wasn't at all what you wanted it to be. But Well, I think we have this expectation for like these ideas that we have are going to turn into some like beautiful yeah. scenario. Right when it can be really messy at first, when everyone's trying to figure out like, what is this? What's our role? This seems, I'm really excited. So I'm going to be like totally dysregulated during it. Yeah. I mean, it was clear though that it it seemed like you were ready just to call it quits and say, screw this as a practice, but that's not what you did. Yeah, no, I think I was ready to throw the towel in, but I love cookies. Like I said, (laughs) that was was the sole motivation. I really just want to try different cookies. And so I persisted. (laughs) And shocker, I mean, it, it got better. And like, I'm not expecting that every cookie chat is going to be like where we're all having like these aha moments and it's beautiful and we're sharing that we're so grateful each o- for each other right. and, you know, I have the best mom ever and thank you for signing me up for all those, <laughs> yeah. you know, activities. But these things aren't supposed to work overnight and they're not an easy fix. Again, these things take time. And just see it through. Yeah. So be consistent. Be patient. Be prepared for it all to go to crap. And you just got to pick up the next day and try again. Right? Yeah. It's almost like let go of those expectations of things being perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for you, Jenna Lee, and how you've introduced the cookie chats into our home. I'm Um, so grateful that we get to share our ideas with one another. And I'm just so grateful (laughs) that... I have this really cool looking microphone in front of my mouth and (laughs) I can't. All right. So moving into our conclusion. We are at the end of episode number. What is this? Five. Five. Oh man. 
five of these things. Um, we covered three tips for you in this episode. Again, this is all about creating a positive home. We are cultivating a supportive and nurturing space for the family. Actionable tip number one, develop mutual respect through modeling. That's the whole golden rule. We're not expecting respect, right? Expecting respect. We're modeling it. We're modeling respect. So we're getting respect in return for respect. That, those are These are tongue twisters, people. Hey, we're getting better at it, though. <laughs> uh, actionable tip number two was build a family community by establishing values. This is where we talked about having those kind of community meetings and collaborating on the types of people you want to be in your family community, right? Like us, we had the kind helpers that listen and share. Hopefully, you and your family can do the same. Right. Realizing that home truly is our first and most important community. Right. And tip three, nurture positive connection by practicing gratitude. It's we want to see those gratitude practice numbers continue to rise yeah. when we ask that question Absolutely. again. Who's doing a gratitude practice? Yeah. And so start today. It uh, Don't have any expectations for what it might look like, similar to our first versions of the cookie chats. Just go in there and put out the bait. Hopefully they bite. If they don't, try again later. But the idea is every moment we could spend in a state of gratitude will just kind of level up everybody's sense of connection and emotional health. Love it. Yeah. And so I want to remind everyone, uh, we are making these podcast one pagers for these episodes. So if you're looking to kind of get the quick printable rundown of the three tips that we've covered with examples and scripts, you can find these podcast one pagers linked in the show notes. So go ahead and give those a look. Also, if you're looking to really level up your growth. I am. We are deep into the Happy Human Collective, our new parenting support and education program. We would love to have you join. Please head on over to happyhumanlife.org to get started. It's under coaching. Mm -hmm. And I think we can include a link in the show notes. Yeah, I think we could do that. So we're still offering a two-week free trial. Mm -hmm. So it's basically, you know, you can cancel at any time within those first 14 days. So consider working with us on a more personal level. Yeah, I mean, we're giving this two-week free trial because we want everyone to check out the program just to see if it's a good fit. Again, if it's not a good fit, you cancel, all good. Um, But please, we are in the middle of running this thing and we're seeing the growth within ourselves by Mm -hmm. participating and in the people that are in there already, the feedback that we're getting is it's helping them grow too. So looking ahead, our next episode, this is going to be a good one, understanding and managing the A word. Anxiety. Anxiety. I mean, didn't I just say to you before this episode, like I've been feeling kind of off lately and I'm like, I think it's anxiety. Yeah. Either that or I'm dehydrated or both. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably both. (laughs) So Um, I got a nice glass of water and I'm good. Yeah, but but I am confident every single person in my family, including our dog, is riddled with anxiety. Why and, do we have an anxious dog? Um, I, you know, we'll dig more into it in episode <laughs> six. Be prepared to talk more about Max the Boston Tips Terrier. Tips and tricks for your anxious <laughs> pooch. <laughs> All right. So Jenny, why don't you go ahead and lead us into our mantra. Deep breath in. <sighs> Respect, gratitude, and responsibility all begin at home. 
Every interaction that we have with our kids is an opportunity for connection, growth, and a chance to express gratitude for the joy that fills our lives. <sighs> See, this is why you do it. Um, all right. We are so grateful. Eh? Anyone? Uh-uh. Gratitude that you took the time out of your day to be here to grow with us. Uh, we know that your time is without a doubt the most valuable thing that you have in this world. So thank you for making a choice to spend some of your time with us. And yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye.